Replacing oil in your car every three to 6,000 miles makes such a big difference in how long and how well your engine in your car lasts and performs. Isn't it strange that we resist doing that? We can't find the time. Uh, this isn't the right weekend. We don't want to get dirty. We don't want to bring it to the oil change place or the dealership to do it. And yet it has great, great value in the operation of our car. As we were reminded this past week, God has also done a work inside of you. What we cannot do is resist what God has already done in us by using things that are destroying us. And it might not be a good thing for us to use like we talk about the oil, but it might be a good thing for us to live out every single day. My name is Trey Rhodes and I'm the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina, and it is a joy and a privilege to have you listening to our audio study guide. This comes out every week as we help you in your small group, life connection group, help you in your walk with Christ, help you as you listen to the sermon, the message, to kind of think these things through and say, okay, that sermon was great, but now how do I live it out? And so what we do is we start out with a, a summary of the sermon, and then we go and have discussion questions and try to answer them as much as we are able to. So hope you'll join us for that as we study about what God is doing in us. And so we call this What's in You from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. If you are not a Life Connection Group leader or a care leader or a uh, a leader of a co-leader at in our life connection groups. I want you to know that you are welcome, and you are welcome to listen, be a part. You are welcome to pass this on. Uh, we want people listening and being students of the word. So, as you are able, we encourage you to make sure that. The, but this message uh, is put out there, and you might want to just contact somebody. You can send them the link. You can uh, encourage them to. Uh, so, uh, subscribe to the podcast, and you can do it on whatever podcast platform you use. So whatever you want to do to get the word out, feel free. Also, if you want the paper that goes with this, and when I say paper, it's, of course, it can be a PDF on your computer or your or your um, uh, tablet or whatever your uh, whatever you read uh, PDFs off of. You can use that as well. But of course, you can print from your devices as well. Just contact me, Trey, T-R-E-Y, at Northwood Baptist. That's no S on the end of Northwood, just northwoodbaptist.com. So that's Trey, T-R-E-Y, at northwoodbaptist.com. And you let me know, and we will get you on the rotation of getting the materials you need to help in your small group or your life connection group uh, as you study the Word of God. And also, you are welcome to go and listen to Pastor Tommy's message. It is on our website, northwoodbaptist.com, and you can go to resources and click down, and you can either watch it video or you can watch it, listen to it audio and listen to it on a podcast. So there's all kinds of ways for you to listen to that, so uh, feel free to do that, and we would love to have you on board with listening to the message as well. All right, well, uh, we, are ha we are having some great attended Life Connection Groups here at Northwood, 
And thank you once again for your hard work. I think the number this past week was 431. And that is such a blessing to know that we are just continuing to move up and, and grow and we are bringing people in. Of course, our goal is to have 70 to 80% of people that are in worship have them in our Life Connection groups. Uh, right now, we're somewhere between 56 and 60%. But, you know, we're getting there. We, we're lower than that. So that's the hard number because the worship service grows, the percentage goes down. So just encourage people to come be a part. When you see them hanging out and you haven't seen them in a Life Connection group or it seems like they come late and leave early, you might want to say, hey, listen, why, I would love to have you in my Life Connection group. And we meet at, and you might say 9.30 or 11 or whatever time your Life Connection group meets. All right, I hope you've had time to turn to Ephesians chapter 3 now. We're in verses 14 to 21, and we're talking about what's in you. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. This is Paul's recorded prayer in the epistle. So in 15 to 21, uh, chapter 1, verse 15 to 21, Paul explains to the Ephesians that they are adopted by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and sealed by the Spirit. Paul prays that the glorious truths of salvation would take root in their hearts. Then Ephesians 2 talks about being saved by grace, made one in Christ because of God's great love. And we have this mystery. There's two very distinct people, these enemies that have been brought together through God's love. The, the wall of divide, divide or division has been taken down. And now we're learning more about what God has done inside of you. He's brought you from death to life. He has made you one with others who embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. And he has done that great work inside of us. The key is, when God has done what he has done, don't resist what he has done in your life. Paul says this, I'm praying that you'll embrace the work that God wants to do inside of you. So what we want to look at is two desires God has for you. The first is this, God wants his spirit to dwell in you. Now, Paul started in chapter 3, verse 1, with these words, for this reason. And uh, that is before he digressed into a discussion about the mystery of God. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. You kneel when you're overwhelmed. And for the first two and a half chapters of Ephesians really are overwhelming to think that all God has done and what he has accomplished through the death and the work of Christ. Tell you the truth, Paul himself is, is completely overwhelmed with the work of God in his own life. Here, this persecutor of Christians has become a missionary. So Paul is overwhelmed with the work he's seen in the hearts of believers in Ephesus. Um, this, this wall, of, as we said earlier, this wall of hostility has been brought down. We find that in verse 22. And now we're built together, Jews and Gentiles, believing Jews, into a holy temple. And, 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 and in the ancient world, uh, there were temples everywhere. We went to, um, uh, I can't think of the place, but where, anyway, Matthew chapter 16, where we uh, Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we were there and saw all these temples where they were. But now God, is it's not that God has these temples to dwell in. Now God lives in us. And not only that, but we are also one with believing Jews. So God has made enemies into family. He says, I kneel before the Father. You see, every family in heaven on earth owes its existence to God. Why? Obviously, he is the one that's fathered everything. Not every family on heaven and earth can call God Father. Only the redeemed can do that. So we're not all children of God. You know, I know people say, oh, we're all children of God together. Well, all believers in Jesus Christ who have come to a salvation, uh, understanding of salvation with him and 
accepted him as Savior and Lord of their life, they can call him Father. We are all the children of God. So now Paul prays to the Heavenly Father that he would strengthen the inner man of the, of the believer. Now you spend a lot of time on the outward. Think about it. Uh, we exercise, we diet, we wear clothes that you know, look sharp. We get our hair cut. We do all kinds of things on the outside. Think about the way that you even present yourself. You want to be, you want people to respect you. You want people to think that you're a kind, polite person. Maybe, uh, especially if you're in business world, you want to think about self-confidence and that you have a, you know, you have a head on your shoulders. You're a very, very intelligent person. Uh, you want to be seen in a certain way. So we often care, but, but, and that's okay as far as it goes, but we care more about what people see rather than what God sees, and that's the heart. Now, people know what's on the outside, but God knows what's on the inside. He knows the real you. He knows what he wants to change about you to make you into the person he wants you to be. You can invest a lot of time and effort on the outward. You can be impressive in the eyes of people, but you're eaten up on the inside with sin, bitterness, anger, lust, hate. So Paul prays this. I'm praying for God's power to strengthen your inner man and that Christ may dwell in your heart. So it's about strengthening the inner man. It's about Jesus dwelling in our hearts. And he's praying that God would strengthen us to want something other than bitterness and hatred and sin. Instead, we want the abiding Christ dwelling in us. You see, theologically, this is, this is a truth that you can hang on to. Christ dwells within you. When you gave your life to Jesus, you were sealed by the Spirit. We found that out of Ephesians 1. Then the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our life when we give our life to Jesus. So that's the theological truth. That's, that's the standard by which God designed us as believers to be. This is how we are theologically. But here's the practical truth. While the Spirit lives in us, we don't often cooperate with the Spirit who lives inside of us. What do we do? We resist. We, we, remember, we go back to the oil thing. We, we know that oil will help us changing the oil in our car every three to 6,000 miles, but we resist doing it. Why? Because we don't have time and other things. But we resist the change that God wants to make in our lives. So I ask these two questions. Is Jesus an unwelcome resident in your heart? You see, here's the difference. You know, we, we want Jesus to be like a good neighbor. Remember he talked about State Farm like a good neighbor, State Farm's there. We want Jesus as a visitor, but we don't want him as a resident. You know, we like to be able to close the door on him. We like to go in and do our own thing and, you know, say, well, Jesus, I'm done with you and kind of close the door. But you do want him to show up when you need help, right? Oh, Lord God, I'm, I'm going through it. Oh, please help me, Lord. You know, it's, it's, it's like you get something too heavy to pick up in your yard, so you call your neighbor over to help you. That's what we want to do with Jesus. When we can't handle it somehow, we think that's the only time we should go to Jesus. We don't need to bother him any other time. You want the benefits of salvation without the life change. How do I know he's an unwelcome guest? You, you don't listen to him. You don't repent of your sin. You don't spend time with him. When I was at the Garden of Gethsemane, I was praying, and I, as I thought, I read the high priestly prayer in, in John chapter 17, and then I thought about those terrible disciples. Jesus was going through the most horrible time as he literally fought in prayer not fought with God, but fought in prayer, speaking to God. And they fell asleep. And Jesus goes and finds them asleep, if you remember the story, and he says, could you not pray with me one hour? 
And I said, them stinking disciples. They are terrible people. And then I heard the words repeat back to me. Could you not pray with me one hour? Do we spend time with Jesus? You see, so we ask, is Jesus the unwelcome resident of our heart? But the truth is, is we need to also ask the next question, which is Jesus the welcomed resident of your heart. You allow Jesus to make his home in you. Jesus making his home in you means he arranges your life to reflect his character. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit's all about. Pastor Tommy did a whole series on the fruit of the Spirit. And by the way, you can look that up and go back into that and find out what love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, meekness, goodness, and self-control do for you. All those things are fruit of the Spirit. Is that naturally coming out of your life? Is that what, when you're squeezed, when that fruit is, when you are squeezed, is that the juice that comes out, the fruit of the Spirit? As Tommy talked about moving into a house, you know, all the work you do, you want to make it yours. You, you know, you have all these walls in there and you want to hang pictures, you want to paint, you want to, you know, adjust some things, you want to put in the right stuff, you want to hang up the appliances, you might want to change the lights, fans, whatever. Following Jesus... You go to Jesus and you tell him, Jesus, when you take up residence in my life, I want you to rearrange my life so that your character can be clearly seen in me. So ask, Jesus, what do I need to remove? Jesus, what do I need you to build in me? Number two, not only do we find out that God wants his spirit to dwell in you, we also got to find that God wants his love to take root in you. So now there's a second prayer being prayed, that we be rooted and established in love. Here's the reality. The more you know the limitless love of God, the more you want Jesus to make his home in you. You have a loving father who wants the best for you. So we pray to be rooted and grounded in love so you can comprehend what we call the limitlessness of God's love. There is no limit. You'll always be hesitant to allow Jesus to be a welcomed residence in your heart when you fail to understand how much you are loved by God. Think about this idea of the length, width, and height and the depth of God's love. Length is about lasting, that it, that it never ends. God's love for you is eternal. It's based on what Jesus has done. Thank God it's not based on what I have done or not done because I will badly disappoint God but he's not going to let me go. And then the width. God's love is wide and accepting. He's saying that that wall has been torn down between Jew and Gentile. I accept everyone that is my child, that has come to me in faith and responded to me in salvation. No one is rejected by God who comes to him in faith. And then the height of God's love. Ephesians 2, his love lifts us up to heaven so that in ages to come, he might continue to shower, I love that word, to shower the riches of his grace. On us. Ephesians 2, 6, and 7 remind us of that. Remember the old hymn, Love Lifted Me? That's what the height is about, to bring us to where he wants us to be. High. And then the depth of God's love, the deepness of God's love. That's a sacrificial love. How deep the Father's love for us, as the old hymn says. The Son of God stepped into our broken world. He lived the life we couldn't live. He died in our place. He experienced the depths of the wrath of God defeated by sin and death, and now risen again. God's love is a love that you can cling to when life gets hard. God's love assures you when you feel unloved by others. That we can, so we can know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. We can know that. 
It's more than we can know. Verse 19 says, knowing God's love matures you so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So when you start to understand God's love, you'll long for Jesus to be that welcome residence in your heart, to be the one who rules over you, that, that makes, makes a place in, in your life, and you feel comfortable with that, and he wants to live there. In verses 20 to 21, I have a doxology. It's a word of praise, and doxology simply means just worship of God. A word of praise as Paul closes his section. Paul knows that God is able to help the Ephesians understand God's love. And when they do it, it'll change everything. You see, we find that the whole Bible proclaims that God is able. Our God is able. Remember in Abraham's old age, he told him he's going to have a child. God did more abundantly than he can imagine. He took that wife of his that was beyond childbirthing age. She had a baby. God came to Moses on the backside of nowhere. Said, you're going to deliver the Hebrews, even though you can't talk. <laughs> so he took this humble man in a few words and made him a leader. Then marched across the Red Sea. God is able. He came to a man named Gideon. And, he, he, and I got to, I got to, actually I didn't drink, but I got to dip my hands in the same creek that Gideon dipped his hands into. That was really cool. But that's what he did. He said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to defeat the Midianites. This coward. And he used him. God is able. He came to a young girl named Mary when she, when she had not known a man. She was going to have a baby by the Holy Spirit. God is able. His name is Jesus. God is able. He was born in a manger, grew into a man who never sinned, went to a cross to die and rise again. God is able to do more than we can ask or think. And now I want you to know that God is able to do a work inside of you. I know some of you and some people in your life connection groups all say, no, not me. You don't know what I've done. But God can do it. God is more than able to fill you with himself. Why does God want to fill you? Because what you are full of will control you. If you're full of pride, it's going to lead you to a downfall. If you're full of bitterness, it's going to lead to hurting others. If you're full of hurt that you can't forgive, it shapes every decision you make. You're full of God, it gives you hope. It gives you he gives you purpose. He gives you life. So it matters what we're full of. What are you what you full of will control you. What you're full of will also spill out of you. What does God want to spill out of you? Hurt and sin and gossip and hate and bitterness. No, we talked about it earlier. When you get squeezed, you want the fruit of the Spirit to come out, that juice of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit to come out of, out of you. And when you're full of him, when you allow him to take up residence, his love begins to spill out. You know it. You're controlled by the wrong things. People in your life connection group are miserable. The wrong things spilling out of, out of them, and it makes others miserable too. For the unbeliever, and there's going to be some in your life connection group, and as we get larger, there's going to be more and more in our life connection They can be a member of your life connection group without being saved, okay? Unbelievers, God loves you, and you turn to him by believing that Jesus died for our sins, that he rose again, and that he died the death that we could not, he lived the life we could not live. He died the death that we were not able to die. And he rose again the third day. We'll trust and place our faith in him. He'll forgive us and cleanse us and make us new. So here's what we do. We pray. Pray that God will empty you and fill you with himself and pray that God would help you comprehend comprehend his love for you so pray daily all right we're going to jump directly into the questions now and let's talk about what's in you, uh, you 
pick one of these four questions. Uh, like I said, as I always say, one of them that'll kind of get them talking. And by the way, if any of you wants a uh, Life Connection Bible, we have those and kind of helps you with the questions as well, especially these opening questions that might give you something that'll help you get people talking. Um, something a little more uh, like, you know, what movie did you watch that you saw something fill up or something like that. But anyway, uh, a couple of good questions here. Uh, God wants to do a work inside of this. This is number two, but we often resist the work he wants to do inside of us. Why? And they're probably not going to be that open to that, but if you have a real tight group that really uh, talks to one another, you might be able to start out with that. Uh, you might talk about how, how what you've learned from Ephesians as you've studied it so far. Uh, that that would probably be a good one. Maybe talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in life of the believer. Uh, Philippians 2.12, you want to read that out. How do you work out your salvation? What does that mean? All right, let's jump into what, examining the text. Ephesians 3.14, why is it significant that Paul kneels before the Father? What does that mean? Well, obviously, he's kneeling before the Father for the simple reason that he's kind of taken aback, right? He's, he's in the point of saying, okay, uh, you know, God, I want to do and become who you want me to be. I, I kneel before you. It's kind of like he's overwhelmed. That's the idea. Um, what's the significance of kneeling? We just talked about that. What does kneeling before God communicate about your understanding of God? Um, you know, think about what God has done in your life, how God has, has changed you, how what the work you've seen him do in the hearts of people. Uh, the things that he's doing even now, all those things, those help you communicate what you understand about God. All right, that was Ephesians 3.14. How about read Ephesians 3.16? What is the power that Paul is praying for? So remember what we talked about there. Power of God that Paul is praying for. All right, uh, 3.16, he says this word, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. So it's the idea of this uh, being strengthened in your inner spirit. You know, we always think of these prayers that we'll be healed, that we'll be better, that we'll, we won't have any financial problems, that we'll get out of a parking ticket, that we'll find a parking place, all those things. But what Paul prays for is he wants to see God strengthen you in your inner, inner spirit. And then Paul does that in the inner man. We're so concerned about the outer man, but what we look like, what people think of us and all those things. But Christ is much more concerned about what's going on inside of us because he changes from the inside. Isn't that right? So what is the difference between the inner man and the outer man? The inner man is that part that God can work on, our heart, our soul, our, our spirit, all those things. The outer man is what people see. Now, how does that happen in the inner man? How does what happens in the inner man affect the outer man? Obviously, anything that happens inside of us is going to come out of us. We're going to be able to see God do works outside as he works inside. And, and the real you is going to really surface in the most difficult times of life. If we invest all our time in the outward, remember, people are going to, when, when these things happen, they're going, to see, they're going to see somebody that has been eaten up with sin and bitterness, anger, lust, all those things. So that's why I praise for the strength in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts. All right. Ephesians 3, verse 17, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love. Now, if the Holy Spirit already dwells in the life of the believer, why would Paul pray that Jesus would dwell in the hearts of believers? Well, because the whole truth is that although Jesus lives in me, I might not have allowed him to come in and take residence. Does that make sense? 
You know, that's the idea of picking, take, changing the pictures, paint, changing the paint, you know, doing some construction work where it needs to be done. Um, so the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, but we have, we resist the change when we say, oh, I don't like that picture. Oh, I don't want to move that there. Oh, I don't want that color paint. And we do that in our own lives. We think that Jesus does not have, uh, we don't give Jesus the access and the ability to change us as we would like. Um, so that's why Paul prays for something that's already a reality in the believer because we've been so resistant. Number four, what does it mean to be rooted and established in the love of God? Why is it so important for the follower of Jesus to understand the love of God? So if we are rooted and we are, we are, um, we are rooted and established in the love of God, then God can do things that we are able to, that, that only he can do through us. If we just, or if it's, if it's the surface stuff, it's eventually going to stop. It's going to actually, not eventually, probably very quickly is going to end up stopping because we are so concerned for the absolute wrong thing. Um, don't resist the change as we talked about earlier. Uh, let him be a good resident. This is not about, this is not about, um, you know, having Jesus to offer a helping hand. This is about allowing Jesus to establish himself inside of us. Do you think Christians sometimes have a lack of appreciation for God's love? I think so. Remember we talked about the different kinds of love, that this love is length, lengthy, it lasts, it's wide, it's accepting, it's height, that it lifts us up, and it's deep, it's sacrificial, all those things. People don't really understand that kind of a love that God has for us. So that helps us grow in that appreciation of God's love. Number six, um, and by the way, you can go back in the sermon, and in the sermon notes, it actually talks about the length, width, height, and depth of God's love. If you want to do a little bit more study on that, it'll help you. Number six, how can you know a love that surpasses knowledge? Ephesians 3.19. Let's jump down there and read that. That we would know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So what does Paul mean in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19? That it's this idea of God's love maturing so that you'll be filled. When you begin to comprehend God's love, you're going to long for Jesus to be that welcome resident in your heart. You're going to long for him to rule and reign in your life. You're going to belong to say, God, your will be done in my life. Because you were convinced that because of his love for you, God wants what is best for you. All right, uh, how does knowing God's love help us to be filled with the fullness of God? Well, when we know what God wants to do in and through us, uh, as he dwells in us, then that is what we happens when we have that longing for what we want him to do. We know that God wants what is best, and it helps us to be filled when we know he loves us that much. All right, in Ephesians 3, 20 to 21, we have a doxology. And the doxology is a word of praise. Paul closes his section. He knows that God is able to help the Ephesians understand God's love. And this idea, the reason that he gives him this worship is because God is able. He wants him to know that God is able. God can. You know, and whether it's Abraham, whether it's Moses, we talked about all these guys. You know, whether it's Gideon, whether it's Mary, or throughout the Bible, God is able. And that's why in your life, I want you to understand, God is able to do it in your life as well. All right, well, let's, let's apply the truth now. Consider your own life. Is Jesus an unwelcome residence of your heart or is Jesus the welcome resident of your heart? So what is the difference? 
when we talk about Jesus being the welcome resident of our heart, or excuse me, unwelcome resident of our heart, you know, we want, we want the benefits of salvation without the life change. That's kind of the idea. Uh, if Jesus is the welcome resident in our heart, we allow him to come into our home and remake us as he wants to. Right? That's what it is. So is that, which one of those is in the life, in your life connection group, let them talk about what is going on in their lives. I know that we all want Jesus to be the welcome resident. We want to think that that's the way it is, but it, but it's not necessarily that way. Uh, what needs to take place in your life? And this is the key. What needs to take place in your life? Remember we talked, the one thing you need to do is pray. When you finish up, when you, when you get to the bottom line of it, you need to pray. The solution that God will empty, empty you and fill you with himself, right? So uh, maybe that's what you need to do, pray. Um, number two, what can you do to grow in your understanding of God's love for you? Well, maybe you need to go back and talk about this length and width and height and depth of God's love. Um, you know, it wouldn't hurt to go back and read Ephesians 2, especially verses 6 and 7, and just find out about God's love. Maybe, you know, another good thing is First I, I, John is, is the book of love, and maybe you need to just take those five chapters of First John and read through them and just begin to understand the limitlessness of God's love. There is no limit to it at all, all right? Why is it important for you to grow in your understanding? Okay. Let's see, God is able. How does knowing that God is able motivate you in pressing your walk with him? We talked about that using these people in their lives. If God can do it in their life, he can do it in your life. And then what are you full, uh, what you are full of will control you and what you are full of will spill out of you. So the question is, what are you full of? Now, hopefully there's going to be some, there's going to be some honesty here. Some of you are going to say, I'm some, some people in your life connection group are going to say, hey, listen, I'm full of my mess, my trash in my life that I've never dealt with. Uh, some, some, you know, some of you going, some are going to say, "Well, I've, there's been things in my life that I've just never turned from, and I'm, I'm dealing with that." So the question is, are you, are you full of the things of this world? Or are you full of the things of God? So again, what do you need to do this week? We want it to be measurable. We want it to be immediate. What do you need to do this week to begin emptying yourself of the things of this world and filling yourself with the things of God? Well, number one, we already talked about prayer. Maybe it is reading First John. Maybe it's just having a, a little talk with Jesus and saying, Lord, what do I need to do in my, my life? Let me examine me, show me, demonstrate. Maybe you need to get an accountability partner. Say, hey, what's it, what do you see coming out of me when I get into tough times of life? You know, I find most people are not angry and bitter. A lot of complaining goes on, though. And I wish I could tell you that I wasn't one of those. But in your Life Connection group, you know, just use that word complaining. And they're gonna that's gonna they're gonna light them up because that's what we do, isn't it? We complain a lot. So if that is what's in your life, that you think God can't control these things, then you're gonna complain a lot. That's just the way it is. All right, respond to the truth. What do you think God is calling you to do in response to Ephesians three fourteen and twenty one? And then how will Ephesians three fourteen to twenty one inform the way that you pray this week? So that's the big thing. So going back to the last thing we said in the message, the solution is to pray. Uh, that God will empty you of you and fill you. You, when I say empty you of you, I also think it means empty you of the world and then fill you with himself and then pray. That's number one. Number two is pray that God will help you comprehend his love for you and then do that every day this week. That would be a great way to do it. Maybe that's the, the one thing you need to do. All right. So I hope that works for you. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. 
It's been a great time together, and let's just get filled up with Jesus as never before, and let's let him spill out of us with all his joy and all his glory and all his peace and all his patience and all his love and all his grace. So the question comes back, what's in you? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that truly when Jesus came into our lives, he took up residence there. Lord, sometimes we resist him. Forgive us, oh God. We repent of our sin and we turn to you. Lord, we want to do the things that you want us to do. We want to please and honor. We're saying today we want to please and honor you. Lord, whatever you want to do inside of us to make us who you want us to be, to strengthen us, to, for us to understand your love, Lord, do it today and throughout this week. Help us as Life Connection Group leaders to express in, in transparency what we struggle with and then help people in their struggles as well. Use us this week. Thank you for that. If there's anyone that does not know you saved in order of their lives, may this be the week that they come to know Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless, guys. Have a great Sunday. I look forward to seeing you.